Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, February the 3rd. This is episode number 135. I am your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Well, it's going, Rod. You know, keep, we'll just keep <laughs> digging down. until we till we find ground. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, joining us tonight is our is our guest, uh, Mike Rostano. Mike, how are things going? Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks both for having me on. It's uh, it's exciting. It's gonna be a good night. Absolutely. And Mike is the co-host of the Wednesday show. Um, follow that at uh, Brownie Post Game. And uh, Mike, your Twitter handle is at Bonzo one two seven three. Yep. So everybody can check out your stuff on, uh, I guess, on both of those uh, Twitter handles. So uh, we we appreciate you uh, joining us tonight for some. Browns talk and uh, more specifically some roster breakdown talk and uh, you guys are ready we're going to dive in but uh, I guess before we do that we're going to talk at least a couple of us about about what we're drinking tonight with our blitz beverages and uh, Mike you're the guest we always let the guests go first so uh, so why don't you tell us about what you're drinking tonight so I I tried to figure out which way I was going to go with it because I, I was thinking I still have a few Christmas sales left, so I, I was going to go that route. But I've thought about I it because I got several left, too. Yeah, I'm like, how long can I drink these on the show? But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know what? As shameful as this sounds, I, I still have. Well, I did. I did have a couple left over from last year that actually aged well. And uh, I took care of those before I got into the new batch. But I think I have. I think there are maybe six left of the, of the case, so I'm kind of I'm kind of rationing them. But um, so I was going to break one out, and then I just and and some folks that follow me on Twitter they know I just dove into Jefferson's Reserve uh, bourbon. I, I you know I dabble in a whole bunch of it, but I hadn't had the Jefferson's Reserve yet, and it, it's it's a good bourbon. So I figured, you know what? coming on your show tonight that's what it's all about and i'm going to break out the good stuff excellent so um so how how are you drinking your bourbon so go ahead no so usually i put it on ice but tonight Mm -hmm. since it's a special occasion i'm drinking it neat okay just straight out of a glass straight out of the glass Okay. I could go Neanderthal on you and drink it right out of the bottle, but I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't think necessary. it's that kind of show. <laughs> I'm not going to try to say we're, you know, like the classiest show around or anything, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> we, we appreciate you putting it into a glass for us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, cool. That's cool. That's, that's great. You're drinking the good stuff. So, uh, so guys, I'm, I'm drinking, um, I don't know if I've had this on a show or not. It's um, it, let me, let me explain a little bit here because I've got this refrigerator and it's got all kinds of beer in it. Um, I'm not actively buying beer right now because I've got so much beer in the refrigerator. And honestly, I'm not really drinking a lot of beer right now because I'm trying to drop a few pounds. I'm trying to do some exercising and stuff, and I'm really not drinking beer except when I'm on the show and, you know, an, an occasional beer, if I 
do something else, go out or something like that. So, yeah. um, so I'm kind of probably going to be repeating beers and, you know, at the pace I'm drinking at, it's probably going to be around for the next five years too, <laughs> or well, at least till it gets warm out and then I'll drink it a little faster. But anyway, so I'm, I'm drinking an Arche 709 or which is the double new England IPA, um, 16 ounce can, 8% alcohol by volume. And it's just really good. Um, since I since I had an Arche New England IPA up at Arche, um, they had one that had some little touch of lime in it, and it was just really good. It's kind of turned me on to the New England IPAs, and it's just good stuff. So yeah. I'm enjoying that tonight. Um, Jeff is sending this one out, so. Uh, <laughs> We're going to move right into our next segment, and that is where, Mike, you get the chance to tell us about your Browns fandom, kind of uh, where that started, and uh, high points, low points, on whatever you'd like to share with us. Yeah, so when when uh, when I was a kid, I originated in New York, and my dad got transferred to Cleveland. Uh, I think I was about, I think I was eight going on nine, and, you know, I, I was a fan of football just you know watching it with my dad but i still wasn't at that age yet where like i had picked up on a team and when we moved to cleveland you know obviously it's such a, a close-knit community and and i was actually in the in the west burbs in uh, north olmstead so you know hops going to jump to cleveland and uh that's that's where the fandom started and then my my friend and actually my my dad's good friend um, actually worked in the front office back then. Um, my buddy actually is with was uh, is with ESPN now. Uh, he does the college game day. But um, so I really had a great inter- introduction, uh, if you will, to Browns football because I got to watch the games on the field. Uh, there was one uh, I know we were talking about before we went live talking about going down to to the Dayton Air Force Base and the Cub Scouts. But that was another thing at the time. Uh, we were the color guard for a Browns game. And I, I sat, I, I never forget this. I sat on a metal chair on the 10-yard line to watch the game. Before the game, I had a catch with Ozzie Newsom and Tom Cousineau. Um, and back then, it, it was the kind of, it was the, it was the time where, you know, you didn't have to have quote-unquote field passes or whatever. If you knew somebody, you know, you were on the field. Nobody cared. I, I remember, you know, standing next to the kickers while they while they were warming up and stuff. So, it, it sort of evolved from there. Um, and, and I, I sort of had a had a had a cool start, and uh, and the rest is history. One, one of my one of my funny stories because I, I know several people always talk about the troughs at. at uh, at Old Municipal, and I remember my my first introduction to them. Uh, it was a Steeler game, and I remember I was just going to the bathroom. I was nine, probably at that point, and uh, I just remember commotion on the other end, and then a Steeler man in overalls came by me as I was peeing, and that was like my first introduction to uh, the Pittsburgh Cleveland rivalry at the time. So a lot of a lot of cool. Uh, a lot of cool memories. I, I there's plenty more too. I, I just can't recall them at the time, but yeah, that's how it started for me. I would say it's pretty darn cool. Thanks for yeah. sharing that with us, Mike. Absolutely. All right, so uh, 
we usually talk about a little bit of Browns news, guys. You know what? This in the past week or so, the main thing that's come up has been this Hugh Jackson stuff. Yeah. I'm going to give you guys each a minute or two to just give your thoughts on this, and then then we'll move on because this has been like all over news and Twitter. So I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point on Hugh, but if you guys have something to say, something you want to get out, I want to give you a chance. So so Jeff, why don't you give your thoughts on this Hugh Jackson stuff? Um, I think Hugh Jackson had three years in Cleveland to tell us what he had to say, and right now he's irrelevant. I don't really care what he has to say. Excellent. <laughs> Mike, Mike, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, when the, when Brian Flores came out with, with, with his suit and, you know, the, the tweets came, or that, I'm sorry, not the tweets, the, the text messages came out, you know, with Belichick and, and the part of, of Ross, you know, having him come to the yacht uh, to meet a quarterback, which later we found out, um, I was reading yesterday was actually Tom Brady and you know, it's, it's a 60 page filing. So with, with a lot of fact in there and, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. And, you know, it, it's when you look around the league, I mean, there's, there's 32 teams and there's one minority coach. So, you know, things do need to change. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I, and I, you came out as he always does, but the way that he framed it was, and look, from what we understand, Flores has receipts of, or something of him trying to say, hey, you know, Ross, that is, you know, I'll pay you X amount of dollars to tank and again maybe he doesn't but it, it seems like he does and and his i watched his attorneys on get up the other day and it was it was you know it was, it was pretty uh it looked like they're they're they definitely have some backing there but anyway back to you so then he comes out and he says what he says and that and, and i actually tweeted about it and i think uh, rod you and i actually had a little interaction about it as well yeah yeah and you know, for me, it was like, okay, well, well, wait a second. Maybe, maybe he does have something because the way he framed it, he made it sound like he literally had receipts of of being paid to tank. That's the way that that's the way he came out and he said it. And for him to then go on ESPN last night and essentially embarrass himself is what I thought, because I'm sitting here waiting to see like, okay, you know, he's going to help build a case for, um, for what Brian Flores is, is trying to stand up for. And that really wasn't the case. And, and, and it was, it was, I don't know, it was pretty embarrassing to me. I mean, he, he laid out the plan and I think today, I don't know if you saw, they, they were, he had provided Keyshawn and, uh, uh, maybe Stephen A. I think that that was the show with a receipt that he he received a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar bonus at the end of the year, but but he didn't know what it was for. But there was nothing in there that said, you know, this was for X. It was just a it was just an end of the year bonus. So like you know, they're going to put that in the memo line anyway, right? Even if right. even if that were the case, exactly. So <laughs> it's it's again, 
much to do about nothing. And, and it's a shame really is, is for, for me, I, I thought, because you've got a guy that, that, that just won nine games in a row was fired. And then yeah. you have the mishap with the giants and the, and, and the text from Bill Belichick. And then you think, Oh, okay. You actually has receipts and he's going to, you know, he's going to help with this case. And instead he, he, he embarrassed himself. And I, and I think that it just wasn't, he, he should have just stayed in, you know, it's, yeah, it's in, not in the background. Yeah, here, here's the thing. Here's why I think Hugh Jackson is irrelevant because no matter what the issue is, no matter what the, the topic of conversation is, Hugh Jackson is going to find a way to make it about nothing but Hugh Jackson. Yeah. And, yeah. and we take, sure. we take an important conversation and we turn it into a bunch of stupid things, you know, out of Hugh's mouth that yeah. have absolutely nothing to do with the issue at hand. So, you know, you just got to block out his noise and, and focus on what the real problem is in the NFL. The real problem in the NFL, I think, is that, you know, these, these guys just don't get opportunities. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, for whatever reason, the NFL needs to figure that out, fix it. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, completely. Um, we we could probably talk for a half hour about the Rooney Rule and why it's not working and things like that, yeah. guys. But um, let's let's move on. I think we agree on Hugh Jackson. So uh, we uh, we left off with tight end at the end of the last show. So we're gonna we're going to continue with our roster breakdown again. We're we're kind of looking at this from a, a viewpoint of. Um, you know, kind of who we think might be back and who won't be back, and but also from a, a position of roster, you know, groupings and and also trying to analyze need. You know, where the Browns are going to have needs, and um, you know where they might be looking to to create some some money too. Um, so, uh, in no particular order, we're just going to go offensive line and start with with center. Uh, it's just what I wrote down. And uh, Browns have have two centers on the roster, J.C. Treader and Nick Harris. Uh, J.C. Treader's 31, um, due 8.25 million in 22. He'd be a free agent in 23. Browns can't save that 8.25 million by cutting him or trading him or whatever. Um, you know, prior to the season or or I think pretty much any time. So um, if they so desire, um, Nick Harris. 23 years old, uh, is due 8.95 and 22, um, 1 million and 23, and some of these figures are rounded, and and they can uh, they can cut him if they want to save that 8.95, and he would be an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So those are the two guys, and um, want to get your get your thoughts on uh, on. I guess we'll just take them both at, at the same time or, or whatever you guys would like to do. So, uh, so Mike, we'll, we'll let you kick this one off. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought in, in the, in the games that Nick Harris stepped in, I, I thought he played well. I, I believe they, he was drafted to be the future there. I, whether the future is two years from now, three years from now, I'm not sure how many, how many more years Treader has on his contract. Is it, is it one more? It's just 22. He'd be a free agent in one year. 23. In 23. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, he's getting up there. I, I don't know if 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 they're gonna allocate money to to re-signing a 30 plus center. So I, 
I think that Nick Harris is going to be the future at that position. I, I, again, I thought he played. I thought he played well in the in the games that he that he played in the spots that he played in. Um, but yeah, you know, Treader Treader is is one of the best in the league. So you know, hopefully, and, and I know we'll get to the other positions, but hopefully, you know, they'll all be able to stay healthy and and put together a good season up front. Yeah. So you can't you 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 expect both those guys to be back. Yeah, as you're start right now. Yeah. Do you feel like Nick Harris played better in his limited time, um, you know, in uh, 21 than he did in in 20? You think he showed growth? I thought so. I thought okay. so. I yeah. I, I thought he played well. Uh, I mean, he wasn't great, but I think that you saw some some maturation at the at that position for him. And I guess what you never really know until you until you take the training wheels off and, and if, and if he is the guy and, and Treader goes after next year, then, you know, have at it, Nick. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see the, the rubber meets the road at that point. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Jeff, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think Nick Harris played his natural position this past season. Uh, primarily he wasn't asked to do a lot of work at guard like the year before last. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think he sure. he kind of settled in and, and, and played pretty well. Um, I mean, he was the highest rated backup on the Browns line. Um, and from a future standpoint, um, you know, he may or may not be the long-term answer. But I think there's a reason that, that Andrew Berry drafted him a couple of years ago. Right? It was Andrew Berry that drafted him, right? Yeah. Two years yeah. ago, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, you, you have to think about the long term of, of J.C. Treader, who, you know, give him credit for always answering the call. Um, but I don't think he practiced pretty much all season, um, you know, because of various ailments. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if, 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 if in fact they can, they think they can get another year out of him. Um, or if they just choose to bring in another backup or whatever they choose to do at the center position. But, um, you know, if, if barring injury, I think the Browns are in pretty good shape at center. Okay. So I, I'm, we're not going to make this a draft show, but, um, you know, Jeff, we, you've talked about Tyler Linderbaum, you know, potential if he's there at 13, how it could be hard to pass on him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what 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 are your thoughts there? If um, you know, if he is there, and the Browns feel like this is a guy who could be, you know, a potential Hall of Fame center, um, you know, do you think that makes kind of makes a decision for them if they feel like he's the guy, and that they felt like they could address receiver with their next, you know, two picks? Um, do you think they would be confident going? Uh, going with Linderbaum and Harris and cutting Treader at that point, would you start Linderbaum as a rookie? Well, I, I think that would depend on how they played in training camp. But I think that there's, there's every likelihood that, that if you draft Tyler Linderbaum at 13, that he ends up being your starting center from day one. And he goes on to have a Joe Thomas type of career. I, I, I believe that, um, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a outside the comfort zone move 
I think for for the Browns to draft a center that high. Um, but I mean, he's an extraordinary player and you have to look at what's there, you know, what your options are. Um, the same would be, you know, the case if, if one of the top, um, defensive ends fell, you know, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to get that guy, you know? So, um, yeah, I think if, if Linderbaum fell on our lap and, and, you know, there wasn't a, somebody that the Browns really were in love with more at that position, they felt like they could get, you know, a receiver who was instead of a, you know, number one, it was a one a, uh, with their next pick. Um, yeah, I think that that makes the decision on JC Treader pretty easy. You know, you just, right. you move on from him and you keep Nick Harris as, as your second center. And, um, and I think either way you're in, you're in great shape this year. And, and, you know, if you end up with Linderbaum, man, you're set for a decade probably. Okay. All right. Well, um, Let's talk some guard, guys. Um, Browns have several guys listed as guard on the roster. I guess uh, two guys aren't going anywhere, and that's uh, Betonio and, and uh, Wyatt Teller. Um, I'll throw their numbers out here, but they're, they really don't matter that much. Um, and uh, uh, Betonio is, is uh, 31 years old. In 22, he'll be making $4.5 million. In 23, he'll be making $12.5 million. Um, I really didn't go beyond that to look at, you know, the out and all that stuff. But he's he signed through um, to where he'd be a free agent in 26. I know there's some um, the Browns have an out in there somewhere, you know, a few seasons down the road. Um, Wyatt Teller is 27 years old. He, he will make uh, 2.75 million in 22 and 14.75 million in 23 and he's also signed through 26 a similar type deal um drew forbes 25 uh set to make 965,000 in 22 and 23 uh free agent in 24 i guess he's actually played a tiny bit here and there but um drew forbes has been a guy who we've kind of you know, still been waiting on to see, you know, what kind of potential he has, I think. Um, and the other two guys, I guess, are probably on futures contracts. And that's, uh, I don't even know how to say the first guy's name. Um, uh, Froholt and uh, David David Moore. Um, Froholt is, and I'm probably saying that wrong, is 25 years old. Um, Signed for one season at 8.95, and David Moore's uh, 23 years old for, for one season at 7.05. So, um, so those are the guys. Um, you know, I don't even know how much uh, how much wiggle room there is on any of those guys because Betonio and Teller are going to be here. Uh, it's a matter of, you know, Drew Forbes. Drew Forbes can be cut to save that million dollars if they feel like they have somebody better, and the other two guys are, you know, the same thing. They're fighting for a spot. So. So how do you guys see the guard room? And, and Mike, I'll let you start out uh, talking, talking guard. Yeah, I mean, I think from a, from a starting standpoint, and you said it, both of them are signed through 26. Whether Betonio gets there uh, remains to be seen. But, but I think for at least the next two years, at least, you'll see that tandem together. And, and then to your point, I think it goes to, you know, who – who's backing up that position and you know you look at you got Froholt and you know we really didn't hear much about him and you know he was on the practice squad and he was you know one of those 
you know, COVID signings and you had Drew Forbes who, who and you alluded to it, you know, you're just forever, waiting. Forever. To, yeah. yeah, you're just waiting to see something. And, uh, you know, we, we haven't seen it yet. But then, I mean, you look at the kid that uh, is now in L.A. and I, I don't know why his, his name is is escaping me, but we gave up on him pretty Austin early. Austin Corbett. Austin Corbett. And he turned out to be a, to be a solid player for them. So, you know, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see that magic come out of Drew Forbes. I, I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, and those are the only two really that are, that are, and I know Blake Hans played a little bit of guard here and there. He's unrestricted, uh, unrestricted free agent. So, I mean, the, after those two and, and really Forbes, I mean, the cover's bare at, at that position. So I, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they – I think they definitely will will draft that position in, in the mid-rounds, but it'll be interesting to see if they if they go out and get somebody, uh, you know, in free agency. And, and not, you know, obviously not a big-name big guy. We got, the, you know, those two guys, but just, just some added depth. Yeah, yeah, I mean uh... – they still have, uh, you know, there's potential they'd be in talks with Hanson. And, um, you know, I'm trying, I'm, who's, I'm, I'm uh, blanking on the other guy's name. Um, Hubbard's out there, too. Well, Hubbard and um, who's the other um, guy who played David some? Moore? Oh. He played some no. guard? Well, maybe guard and, uh, never mind. I'll let. Go ahead, Jeff. Why don't you give your thoughts on guard, and I'll try to find the name of the person I'm thinking of here. <laughs> well, I think the Browns are set at guard. Um, and I, I was thinking yeah, of yeah, Michael, really Michael Dunn is who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Michael Dunn. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I um, I mean, bring I, either one of those guys a shot, but we'll see what the market sure. is for him. Yeah. You know what? I, I feel like as long as Bill Callahan is around, we're going to get high-level guard play no matter who we plug in. Uh, if one of our starters misses some time, uh, you know, we're young at, in the backups there, but I think we have talented enough guys that, that have shown that, that they can step in and, and give us an adequate effort. The, the, the guard position is really not a concern on this team. Um, and yeah, it wouldn't hurt to, to add a, a, a veteran depth piece, but um, you know, ultimately the effectiveness of that line is going to be determined by the tackle play. And, you know, that's where you really saw problems because of injuries last season. Um, so I feel really good about guard. Um, I'm glad those two guys are locked up long-term. And, you know, even if we were to, to just draft a, a guy, uh, day three, uh, developmental piece, and that's all we went into the season with in the fall, I think we'd be okay. Yeah, so let's let's move on to tackle, and let's just talk about Jack Conklin first because he's uh, 28. Um, and he's scheduled to make 12 million in 22, and be a free agent in 23. And and the Browns can can save that 12 million, I believe, with a post June first cut. So um, you know, I think it. I think it's. You know, I, I mean, I, I guess there's a couple ways to look at it as, you know, how is he how is he recovering and, you know, what's he going to be able to do as far as playing? And, um, you know, and uh, 
to the Browns feel like they can do something else at that position to get a starter, you know, and, and um, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll just leave it at that and I'll let you guys just talk about Conklin because I think he's really the big, probably the biggest piece on this offensive line, you know, to figure out um, him and his position. Let's put it that way, that, that starting right tackle. So, so Jeff, what, what do you think about uh, Conklin and right tackle? I really think it's it's a health question, and you know when he's ready to go. Um, back from I think the patellar patellar tendon uh, injury. Um, yeah. So you know it's it's yeah is, is he going to miss a few games early in the season and then you know be back to the Jack Conklin that that we expect? Um, you know then in, in that case we can probably you know ride that out for a few weeks. Um, but if his recovery period looks like it's going to be a little bit longer. Um, then it does kind of force the Browns' hands. Um, I'm really hopeful that we're going to find a veteran swing tackle that can that can take those snaps early in the season. And if for some reason Conklin can't come back or or isn't playing at the same level, that that guy is is capable enough to be able to to, to you know fill in at least in the short term. Uh, because I really don't think we're ready to 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 hand those snaps over to James Hudson. Um, I, I, you know, maybe at some point next year. I mean, he started to come on later in the year, um, but we really need to have somebody experienced there. Um, and and look at what happened with uh, with Jed Wills. I mean, his injury kind of lingered all year as well. So um, that yeah. that's going to be to me the, that's going to be one of the key free agent signings this year, I think, is finding that that veteran swing tackle that can that can step in. Yeah. yeah so, I, go ahead, Mike. Okay. Oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just I was gonna pass it over to you. So you're good. You're good. Go ahead. So I, what I was gonna say is I, I agree uh with Jeff, especially you know going out and 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 finding that swing tackle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Chris Hubbard if if they're interested in bringing him back. I know he was hurt. Uh, I don't know where he is in his in his recovery. But the the interesting thing, and I, I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, I believe it was it was early yesterday. I, I I think Drew Rosenhaus came out and said that Conklin was ahead of schedule and he believes that he'll be ready for training camp. Now, coming off a a patellar injury like that. I mean, you look at the statistics, and it's not good for for careers after after you tear that. But he, you know, it could be agent speak. I mean, I I could see if it was the free agent year that to you know to to pump that up. But you know, I, I guess it remains to be seen. But hey, if that's the case, I mean, that's that's great news for us. I'll I'll be you know ecstatic if if Jack Conklin is is even there for game one, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's going to be interesting. I mean, if he does come back and, and we could start off solid like that, I think that would be great. You know, I, I think it might be uh, a little excitement a little too early, but, but, but we'll see, but yeah, I'm interested again to see, to see if they have any interest in, in bringing Hubbard back. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll see, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see, as these months progress, you know, what we're, what we're hearing and, and maybe seeing in the way of Jack Conklin and his rehab. 
Yeah, I think I think they re- they really need a guy like Hubbard. You know, wh- whether it's Hubbard or not, uh, you know, because because like, like you said, it, it might depend on his health as well. He's 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 had a couple of uh, a couple of seasons where he's had these injuries and stuff. So yeah, uh, but he he's played very well when he's been out there. You know, uh, considering how poorly he played his first season here, and you know, and how um, how bad everybody thought he was, he's really played well since then when he's been able to play and i just i think the browns with with the issues they had to tackle this season are going to really i think they're going to focus in on that position because like like jeff was saying guard is guard is in good hands and really center i think regardless of how they go at center it's going to be good too um so so i think they need to i think they'll be concentrating on making sure that tackle is a stronger position this season uh, I mean uh, so Conklin's the, the question mark I mean if they really don't like where his health's going they can they can cut him you know uh, post June 1 and uh, you know I'm not sure how all that works with an in- injury or whatnot but um, you know if they were able to cut him to save the the 12 million then they could certainly bring you know another guy in or two um, you know to, to help out um, and, and potentially know maybe address the uh, that position in the draft um if they if they feel at draft time that um you know that he's not headed in the right direction but um i mean jed jed wills and james hudson are both 22 years old and jed's making a little bit more money than james hudson is about three times as much but yeah. um, they're both around for you know through 2024 um you know that that's assuming James Hudson continues to progress and, and everything like he, you know, I think he did last season. So, um, but you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll see what they do there. Um, yeah. it, I think it would be interesting. So, um, let me, couple, let me throw out a go ahead, Jeff. real quick, Rod, and, and you know, th- these kind of predictions can come back and bite me, but, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to throw out a name just, and we'll, we'll see where this one sticks. Um, Right tackle, um, who I think could probably be that guy that we're looking for in free agency, uh, is the the Raiders Brandon Parker. Um, he's 26. He was a third round pick in 2018, and he's probably going to make about five million a year um, as an experienced right tackle. I think he played. He started 17 games last year for the Raiders. Um, Somebody like that is who we're looking for to be that swing guy and, and, and the insurance policy if, if Conklin can't go. Yeah. Let, let's see how far off I am on that one. Um, yeah, yeah. It would, it would be nice to bring a guy in with experience like that, definitely. A so, um, couple of positions we haven't covered yet. Uh, I probably should have talked about fullbacks when I talked about running backs, but um, I, don't, I had them listed separately. So we're going to talk about them separately, guys. Um, Andy Janovich, uh, 28 years old, is due uh, $1.6 million in uh, 22, free agent in 23, and the Browns can save the one6 by by cutting him. Um, Johnny Stanton is on a $825,000 contract for, for 22. Um, what do you guys think happens with fullback? Do you think Janovich is back again for the 1.6 in 22? 
I think personally, Janovich is a Stefanski guy, and I, it's I not don't that see, much money, right? Yeah, it's not that much, but I, I don't, yeah. I don't see him going. But, but to be honest with you, I mean, I in the in the spot, the spots that that Stan played here and there. I mean, I, I don't know if you're really losing that much going from from one guy to the other. But to your point. You know, I mean, it, it's not that much of a of a difference monetary, you know, monetarily wise. Wow. So I, yeah, I, they'll probably just stick with Janovich, I would think. Yeah. You agree, Jeff? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's not a a huge position of importance, except on those few plays where you need them. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, long snapper extraordinaire Charlie Huglet is thirty one years old. He's set to make $1.25 million and oh no, he's going to be a free agent in 23. <laughs> what will what Brown's going to do? Are they going to extend they're, Charlie Huglet? They're going to ride him one more year and then Mac Wilson's going to snap. You think? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, any thoughts on Charlie, guys? <laughs> They'll probably they'll probably resign him, won't they? Yeah, they'll write him out. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's let's talk some defense, guys. Uh, starting um, with defensive tackle, we'll just take these guys one at a time, try and make it a little bit more clear. Um, I'm just I'm going to bring up Malik Jackson. Just he's a free agent, guys. So he's he's 35. He made. Um, he made well. His base salary was 1.1 million. He had bonus money in in 21. But he had bonus money. I'm not sure what his total, uh, what his total uh, salary was. But uh, you, do you guys think the Browns are going to pursue Malik Jackson with all that's happening at uh, defensive tackle? And I, we may have talked about him a little bit with the uh, free agents, Jeff. So so why don't I get your thoughts yeah. on why don't I get your thoughts on Malik Jackson, Mike? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if they, if they bring him back. I, I, I think, you know, after the the McDowell situation, you know, that position just got really thin. I mean, looking at the roster, I mean, you have Elliott and uh, Tommy Tajia. I, I, there's nobody else at when I was looking at the roster that, that that is going to be saying. back. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody else is tackle. free agents. I believe so. Yeah. And so, go ahead. Yeah, and no, and and so you wonder if that. I mean, if they could get him back. I mean, if 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 they if they liked what they saw last year, and I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, what his PFF grade was last uh, last year. I, I probably have it around here. Probably have it around here Not somewhere, great. but. I, yeah, I think he was towards the bottom, and he was. He was. He was thirty fourth at a forty four four. So I mean, there, there wasn't really, you know, he was, and he was a great player. You know, when he was younger, especially when he was with the Eagles. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he's getting I mean, up there. Yeah. yeah, he is getting. You don't up expect there. a ton of snaps or a ton of production, but um, no. you know, the Browns are going to need some guys. So um, yeah. depending on what else they do there, I guess. So and, and that's what I was thinking too, because I when I. When I was looking at at the second round prior to the McDowell incident, 
you know, I, I thought for sure there could be a chance that, you know, they look at they look at someone like um, Daniel Falale at right tackle. I, I think he's going to be a he's a stud playing the play action RPO stuff, multiple schemes, big kid. But I can play a little even, fullback, too. Yeah. And, and, and even like 400 uh, pounds. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's only like three, three eighty. Yeah. And then you have you, you have the he must be on slim fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's three eighty. The last time he let, let anybody weigh him, yeah. Right. yeah. Right. What is he now? But yeah, and, 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 yeah. and I, I like the kid from Ohio State as well. Although I, I think he projects more as as a left tackle. But but I, but I, I guess the point that I was making is I, I almost feel like once the McDowell incident happened, we went from possibly going offensive tackle in the second round to, you know, you, you, and it depends on if there's one of those stud edge guys left there, but you might have to go interior defensive lineman early in the second round. So it's, that was one that made me scratch my head just for obvious reasons. And I I hope he, you know, he he seeks and gets the help that, that he, that he's, he needs. Um, But that really, I mean, the cupboard's bare at defensive tackle at this point. Well, well let, let's talk about Malik McDowell just just briefly. He's he's 26 years old. We know his history and we know what happened. He's, that, he's an exclusive rights free agent, guys. So the Browns didn't have to cut him, but um, I don't know. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't know the whole, uh, you know, we talked about RFAs on the show last time, and I had to look that up, okay? to be versed in RFAs and everything, because, you know, it's not my job. So, you know, um, you know, with the tenders and everything. So um, I'm kind of curious, you know, the Browns put out a statement and everything, but I guess we're pretty confident they're going to part ways with Malik McDowell and it makes sense. But I guess, I guess with an, with an ERFA, I guess they just don't have to do anything in order to part ways with them. Is that, would that be the understanding that you guys have with that? Yeah, I I don't, I don't think at that point, I I think they could just, just not part ways and bygones be bygones kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you're you're right then. It le- it leaves Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai, who um, uh, Elliott's 25. He's due, you know, a million and 22, 1.2 and 23, um, and a UFA in 24. And Togiai is due just slightly less, you know, 825 in 22, um, 940 in 23, and and a, a free agent in 2025. And, you know, they can both be cut, but I think they're both feeling pretty safe about, uh, you know, the fact that they're probably going to make this team next year, you know, unless the Browns bring another 20 defensive linemen in like they did last year. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, uh, so, so Jeff, any, any other thoughts on defensive tackle? Yeah, I think we've said it recently that um, last year, they threw a bunch of players at this position just to see who would stick. And I got to believe that they'll do that same thing again, that, that, you know, if that worked last year, it's probably going to work again this year. Um, You're going to see eight or 10 guys in camp um, and they're going to see what, you know, what cream rises to the top. And, you know, 
just from a draft perspective real quick, you know, you, you've got Jordan Elliott um, you know, going into his third year, uh, Togia going into his second year. Those guys were both mid-round picks that you're developing for this position. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody you take in the draft now is not going to leapfrog those two guys. So you either have to sign somebody in free agency that, you know, is, is a more of a veteran player like Lee Jackson, um, you know, or you have to hope that those two guys pan out, you know, and, and I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a crapshoot to see who ends up, you know, getting most of the, most of the snaps in that position for the second year in a row. Yeah, I, and, I, I agree. I, I would have to look at the free agents, you know, uh, defensive tackles because, man, you, you go back to, uh, to last year and, and there was, you know, it was kind of questionable as to whether Togia was going to make this team with all the guys they had. And even, you know, even Jordan Elliott, you know, there, there were people didn't think Jordan Elliott was going to make this team. So we're down to two guys on the team that were, you know, kind of eh, about making the team even last year. So <laughs> it makes me feel like the Browns are going to address this, you know, um, some way other than just bringing in free agents off the streets and drafting some guys in the mid rounds. I, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to have to do something. I agree. And, and you know, I, I, we were talking about this actually on, on our show a couple of weeks ago, I think, or, or, or this past week, the days just seem to fly by, but like you look at, you look at Pittsburgh, for example, and you've got Cam Hayward on the inside and he's such a force. And, his disruption is what leads to TJ Watt seemingly looks like he's in the backfield every other play at least. And yeah, I, it's I not doing like, it on his own. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's the, if you said to me, what's the one position on defense that you think if you got a bona fide stud that would change the dynamic of, of, of the defensive line and and it would be it, it would be the defensive tackle position because if we could get somebody that could just be disruptive i think miles eats all day long and and then if you're lucky enough to to get clowny back i mean that you're, you're talking about a recipe for disaster and i i only hope that we see that i don't know I, I haven't even looked to see who's out there in free agency if there are any impact guys like that out there um it's okay. something i'm gonna have to do and, and take a peek but well, I'm looking at the, the list here. Um, the, the thing is, is there's a boatload of them. I mean, there's yeah. there's gobs of, of D tackles who are free agents right now. Uh, but just scanning down the list, very few of them played even 50% of the snaps. So yeah. it's not a position yeah. where, you know, guys are out on the field the whole game. You know, they rotate with the younger guys and so forth. So, um yeah, I, I mean, you I need don't to know be four deep. Find that yeah. guy. Yeah, I don't know. That yeah. You can find that guy. You know, even even if you're willing to throw all kinds of money. I mean, you know, the the, the list runs from Akeem Hicks and, and Dominic Sue, um, you know, down to geez, I don't know, thirty-five um, year old Calais Campbell, Sheldon Day. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, let's see who else is on here. Oh, uh, Richardson's uh, out there too, huh? Yeah, Sheldon I'm sure he'd love to come back on huh? here. Danny Shelton's on here. Uh, I mean, no, you name it. There's there's all kinds of guys that that they can bring in, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. Just like like yeah. I said, like last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting, guys. Uh, so uh, 
defensive end, the Browns have uh, have Miles, who, um, yeah, he's uh, Miles is twenty seven, and um, guys, that right? <laughs> he's. I have that in 22. He's going to make his uh, base salaries one million. That's what I have down in 23. It's 17.25 million. So I, I think in 22, he most you know he's living off the bonus money. I guess if that's right. Um, um, yeah, I yeah I don't know. He's got a guaranteed I, salary of a million bucks, but I mean yeah, his yeah that's just his, his base salary. Yeah, his cap number is 12, almost 13 million. Yeah. Because of yeah. uh, so he's got a prorated bonus of like twelve million bucks. Right. So yeah, he's yeah. Anyways, um, he's not Miles, going anywhere for Miles is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's uh, trying to see what I wrote down. Yeah, through uh, through twenty, he signed through twenty four, I believe, right? Through twenty twenty four. That's what I have written down. I think so. Or um, actually twenty five. 20, actually, no, 26. 26, I think. Yeah. I think uh, I think my note through 24 is that um, he's pretty much guaranteed to be here through 24. The Browns have, have outs pretty much after 24 if, you know. They guys do. Trust me. People are going to say, oh, well, we don't want Miles to go anywhere. Well, yeah, but, you, you know, <laughs> people are going to think I don't like Miles if I say anything. But the Browns have, have an out after 24 with Miles. Because he's going to be making a ton of money, and if something happens to him, his production's not there, you know, he's injured, whatever, then they've gotten out after 24. Okay, so yeah. I'm just right. putting numbers out there, guys. That's it. Okay. Just here's what I heard his cap numbers. In 24, his cap number's 32 million. Uh-huh. In 25, his cap number's 27 million. And in 26, his cap number is 28.5. Got wow. a $20 million base salary in 2026. Yeah, and I yeah, think the, those the last could... two years are pretty much not guaranteed. If I if I looked at it properly, I think that's the way I looked at it. So yeah. So anyways, it's uh, it's Miles and um, Curtis Weaver is signed for another year at seven hundred five thousand. And Curtis and... Weaver's twenty four. We'll see if uh, we'll see if he has anything on on a second go around, and then. Um, uh, Jeff and I already talked about Clowney and Tack McKinley. They're both UFAs. Um, we don't know if Tack will be recovered from that Achilles or not um, and be able to play in 22. But uh, that's that's one question. And then we just don't know what's going to happen with, with uh, Jadavian Clowney, whether he's um, going to be in, you know, in the Browns price range or whether he's going to sign a big deal and, and go elsewhere. So, um yeah. So how how do you how do you guys assess the the defensive end room for the Browns at this point? And and Jeff, we'll let you kick this one off. Well, that, that yeah, the great thing is, is we have Miles Garrett. The problem is we don't have much after that. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> much know, at all, right? As now. you said, with with <laughs> with yeah, with with Clowney um, sort of wanting to get paid and, and rightfully so, um, and Tack McKinley, you know, I think not in the picture. Um, you know, th- this is an area that I think the Browns really need to look to the draft. Um, this is a good year to bring in some depth there. Um, and, and you know, they're going to need somebody. So, um, 
you know, even if they were to bring Clowney back on a short-term deal, they they would need to be developing somebody. So, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit scary. The whole D line is a little scary. Like I said, other than other than Miles, um, what the what the line's going to look like next year. Uh, Mike, anything to add to that? <laughs> no, you know, it, it, it it's when when I was when I was taking down some notes. Uh, you know, when I knew what we were going to be discussing tonight and like, I, you, you, you knew that these positions were a little on the, on the empty side, but mm-hmm. at least for me, I didn't realize how empty until I'm staring at, at my iPad and literally, and you guys both just said it i mean you've got miles garrett and you've got curtis weaver and then <laughs> and then clowney's unrestricted free agent sheldon day's an unrestricted free agent uh gustin is a restricted free agent and then tack with the achilles a ufa and then odin egbo is a rfa but i mean yeah you yeah. look at that and the only two names that excite you are clowney and mckinley and and like you alluded to we don't know what McKinley is going to look like with the Achilles. And I'm, I'm probably at 70% thinking Clowney is going to come back, but I mean, it's not guaranteed. He he definitely can, could go elsewhere. And then, I mean, at that point, like that's what I'm hanging my hat on to be quite honest with you is the fact that he's coming back. If he doesn't come back and we're left with miles Garrett and nobody until we know who the somebodies are, well, especially with the the DT situation, yeah. Right, yeah. It's frightening. Yeah. It, I mean, it really is. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to build an entire defensive line, you know, around Miles. Yeah. And right now they need they need like like four or five more guys, you know. <laughs> right now, yeah. it's a bunch. So, so anyway, so let, let's go to linebacker because linebacker guys looks a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. I agree. Um. Linebacker, you know, Anthony Walker's 29, and he's he's a uh, he's a free agent. Okay, he made he made 2.7 million in 21. You know, I don't know if he's going to come back or not, but um, let's look at the other guys because the other guys are most of them are young and most of them are signed. You know, uh, for for at least a year or or two or three. So um, Tony Fields, who we really haven't seen yet, um, 23 years old. Um, he's due under under a million for each the next couple of years, and he signed through uh, through 24. Um, Mac Wilson's 24 years old, and he's got one million dollars due to him in 22, and he would be a free agent in 23. Uh, Browns can save that million if Mac doesn't make the cut next year. Um, Jacob Phillips is 23 years old. Do a million in 22, 1.1 million in 23, and he is signed uh, through, well, he would be a free agent in 24. Um, Taki Taki is uh, the old man on the roster at linebacker at 27. Um, <laughs> he's got one more year, um, $1 million due, and then he'd be a free agent in 23. Uh, JOK is 23 years old and he's due a million this year, 1.2 million next year, 
and he'd be a free agent in 25. And then the Browns have uh, Willie Harvey signed for a season at 825, and he's 26 years old. So, um, you know, this sounds a little bit better, guys. Um, and, and I know everybody talks about linebacker being a weakness on the Browns, but, you know, I mean, you, you look at uh, – you just look at JOK and, and how Jacob Phillips was coming on at the end of last season, and you really got to feel like the Browns have some building pieces at linebacker. Um, you know, I heard some good things about Tony Fields before he, you know, got hurt last year. So you got to feel like maybe he's a guy who can um, be a developmental piece down the road, too. Yeah, I, I don't know about Mac's future. Um, uh, Taki Taki has played pretty well. And I think Willie Harvey's probably a special teams guy. But um, let's get your take on this. So, so Jeff, you want to start this one off? Um, yeah, yeah. All I can say is thank God for JOK because um, <laughs> he pretty much single-handedly <laughs> rescued the linebacker room last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was nice to see Jacob Phillips come back and play toward the end of the year, like you said. Um, and I think with those two guys, you got to feel pretty good um about you know going into the next season um it wouldn't hurt to add another veteran linebacker if that's anthony walker or somebody like him um you know i think that would help a lot um but i feel good about where we are at linebacker yeah so what do you think mike yeah i agree i you know i mean how many years have we been waiting for jok just that that linebacker that can run sideline to sideline and, and, and the quick twitch. And I, I mean, you just, you just got to smile when you, when you talk about the kid, excuse me. And, and like you said, Jacob Phillips, you know, he played four games, but you know, he played well. Uh, Like if you look at his PFF grade, you know, he was 69, seven in coverage. So, you know, he, he's, He's able to to handle the tight end. Uh, JOK was about the same in terms of in terms of coverage. And I, as we know, the tight ends are—I mean—they kill us year in and, and year out. I think they can improve in that part of the game most definitely. And I, what's funny is I, I think, and and I'll I'll be the first to admit that I was one of those very hard on Mac Wilson. Uh, kind of guys no no doubt about it but i i almost feel like last year mac wilson they found his sweet spot in how many snaps a game that he could play to spell guys and play at a high level and and i know what the pff scores aren't aren't the be all end all but i I mean you look through 13 games you know jok was was sixth on the defense and he had 597 total snaps and then you look at mac wilson who came in as the seventh best PFF score and he played 13 games. He had 193 snaps, but when, when you do the math, you know, he played eight, nine, 10, maybe the most snaps here and there per game. And, and he played really well. I mean, his tackling grade was an 89, five. So I, I agree. I think if Anthony Walker is, is into it, I think you bring him back one more year. I, I thought he played at a high level for, for his age. Um, and Taki Taki, you know, and that it's, it's so funny. Cause you, you think about when he got drafted and meanwhile, 
you know, out of the guys that are signed, he's he's the oldest, which is which is I didn't even realize that. But yeah. and you know, he's another kid that that you know is good in the you know spelling guys. Um, he he was right around the same the same you know pace at, at Mac Wilson in terms of total snaps. I think he was at two eighty or something like that. So. Yeah, and and I'm interested. What do you guys think? I, I I'm excited to see a little bit more of Tony Fields. I, I I really they he was sort of hyped up a little bit, and I'm interested to see as we go if the kid can play. I am too because I heard I heard some good things about him. You know, you know, uh, I would say last last training camp. You know, thinking that he was yeah. going to, you know, actually play more than he did, I think, with the injury and everything. I, I don't even know how much we actually saw him last year. Um, I don't think it was much, but um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I hope he's. I hope he comes in healthy and and we can see him play. You know, more than just a, a special teams role. Um, you know, maybe whether it's even the just preseason games, just so. So we get an idea of what he brings to the team because right now yeah. he's just you know he's just he's just a name on paper, I think yeah. to most of us you know. So um, do you guys want to do corners and safeties real quick, or do you want to wrap things up? I'm good if you guys are good. You guys yep. good? There's there's not that many to go through. So are you game, Jeff? Sure. Okay. Um, Corners and, and guys, this this is kind of interesting too. Um, I'm just kind of looking at this. Um, the Browns don't have a lot of corners signed long term, um, <laughs> and I really didn't realize this. You know, um, not right now. Uh, you know, Denzel Denzel Ward's 25, and you know he's due a 13.3 on the fifth year option. Then you know, right now he's a he's a UFA in 23, and you know if they don't extend him. Um, so they got one year with, with Denzel, um, Troy Hill's 31 years old, uh, due 2.5 and, uh, he's only signed through 22. He would be a free agent in 23. Um, Greg Newsom is the exception, 22 years old, uh, do 1.2 million this year, 1.8 next year. And, uh, he's a free agent in 2026, which is good. Uh, greedy. Brady Williams, 25 years old, do 1.3 million this year, free agent in 2023. Um, and then we're down to, to Herb Miller, AJ Green, and and Nate Matters, and all these guys are. Uh, well, Herb Miller is uh, signed for uh, 2022 at 895. The other guys are, uh, well, the other guys are signed at 825 for one year as well, and then they're either. Uh, exclusive rights free agents or, or UFAs after that. So the Browns have one corner signed past 2022 right now. Interesting. How does that make you guys feel? <laughs> I feel like we're really strong at corner, but yeah. Um, so so however you guys want to tackle that, if you if you want to go player by player, I, I guess maybe the first thing would be uh, would be to talk about Denzel and um, you know, whether you think, uh, I mean, he's obviously going to be here in 22. Uh, 
the big question is, are they going to extend them during 22? So I, I guess if you guys want to give your give your thoughts on that first, uh, Mike, why don't you give your thoughts on, on Denzel and whether you think he's going to be extended? Yeah, I definitely think he will be. I, I, I would be surprised if we don't see a deal before the season starts for, for Denzel. I, I, I've heard that that it's right at the top of the list of, of to do. Uh, so I, I definitely think that gets done. And then now we're up to two sign for, <laughs> for a little while. The, the one guy that I'm really interested in, and, and you know he's going to garner interest everywhere, is is MJ Stewart. I, I'd love for them to be able to, you know, yeah, to, to bring agent. him back. Yeah, and he's restricted, but, I mean, he's going to go. I, I feel like he's going to go where the money goes, and I, I don't think that we're is going to Is he restricted? Be, yeah. Okay, I didn't realize he re- was restricted. So, um. so we'll get the chance. But I, I just don't. I mean, he really came on at the end of the year. I and I could be wrong. I mean, some people, you know, maybe it's it's an inflated worth, and, and we're able to to bring him back on a uh, on a deal that that that's good for both parties. But I just got a feeling that somebody's gonna somebody's gonna pounce on him because he he just played really well. Yeah. Well, Mike, let, let's uh, let's talk about this real quick because we talked we talked about Dearness Johnson being a restricted free agent on the last podcast and we talked about you know what tender the browns might put on him and that um what do you do you think what do you think the browns might do with mj stewart because a corner who um you know who teams could look at as a starting corner or you know even a you know even a third guy or whatever i mean they're looking to pay him something um yeah i agree you know, I don't know what kind of tender the Browns would put on MJ Stewart. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And, and you know, it's interesting because you, when you brought up Troy Hill, we, I mean, he signed through this year, but I mean, he's up there in age. And you almost, if you looked at the way MJ Stewart played last year, I, I think it would be, if they can do it and it's not going to cost them that much money and, they are. They can find a way to pay him. I just think, to your point, though, I, I just think there's a lot of teams around the league that saw his play and, and are going to look at him as a, you know, as a top corner, uh, at least a, at least a, a number two. But MJ Stewart would look really nice, just you know, sliding into Troy Hill's spot next year after he's gone. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there at all. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the Browns do there. Um, yeah, yeah, I could see him. I could see him putting a tender on on MJ Stewart too, definitely. So, um, I don't think MJ Stewart is a starting cornerback. Um, I mean, he he obviously had some nice games at the end of the end of the season, but he's kind of a tweener guy in my mind. Um, Oh, he's a corn. Yeah, he's, he can play some safety too. Yeah. I mean, he, he yeah, he yeah. kind of he kind of plays both, and he and he does a nice job in coverage. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not really sold though that you look at him as a a long term, you know, starter at the outside cornerback position or or at the slot. Um, I, I like him on the team. I like him as a depth piece. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm just I'm just not sure about where he where he slots in. Um, 
Mm-hmm. The other thing that's interesting to me is um, I mentioned a little while ago uh, in the draft, you know, everybody has, is kind of assuming that the Browns are going to take one of the top wideouts in the first round. And I don't have anything against that. And, you know, if that's the way it plays out, um, there's two or three guys that I'd be thrilled to have. Um, but I did say that, you know, if, if one of those defensive ends um, fell, um, one of those top three guys fell, I would, I would jump on them. Um, mm-hmm. The other premier position to me um, that, that, you know, if, if you're talking about what would make me not take a top wide receiver, uh, there are three cornerbacks um, in Derek Stingley, um, Ahmad Gardner and Andrew Booth, who, if you played Denzel's contract out this year, would be ideal guys to jump in and replace him in 2023. Yeah. And now you've got two young guys on rookie deals at, at that premier position um, and and really in, in good hands going forward. So it, it takes away the, the necessity of paying that huge money to Denzel. And, and again, I love Denzel, and I'm, and I'm a big fan of signing him. I think he's the game changer on defense when, when Denzel plays like he's capable of playing, the defense is a different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but from an, an analytic standpoint and, and what makes sense in the draft, um, that's another potential path that the Browns could go. Makes total sense. Makes total sense to me. Cause you just think about how much money you're saving by having your two top corners on, on, long-term deals you know long-term rookie deals uh you know it's a huge savings and guys i was looking up and mj stewart's 27 years old too so chances of him getting a i mean it's not that he's not going to get one more deal you know i mean he he could get a nice deal but you know i don't think anybody's going to sign up to a four or five year deal you know at 27 um to some great big deal so um it'll be interesting you know the browns could be in play to get him back to uh, potentially have yeah. to keep our eye on that one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, the other guys, I, I guess it's just going to matter. You, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's just going to matter what happens, you know, this season that, um, you know, with, uh, I think uh, greedy played, <laughs> greedy played, I think pretty darn well this season. Um, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people were worried about the shoulder and he, he banged it up a few times this year. Um, but, you know, he kept playing. So, so I thought that was a good sign. Um, the other guy that who's really played well when he's had opportunities. Um, and I think the Browns have liked him for a couple of seasons is AJ green. And I, you know, yeah. there you really do have a, a, a outside slash slot corner, um, you know, who can run with the best receivers in the league. I mean, obviously yeah, he, he's, he's not Denzel Ward, but yeah, he's he's only 24 years old. Um, he'll make 825 this year, and then he's an exclusive rights-free agent in 23. So the Browns have control over him for you know a few seasons to come. Yeah. And you know, AJ Green is is interesting. When to, to take us back to to the beginning of the show, we were talking about Nick Harris, and you know whether we've seen growth from him or not. Mm-hmm. I, I think AJ Green is a great example of of a guy over the past two years that that you've seen really really catch on and start you know really upping his game and, and playing i mean I, if you remember when he I, I can't remember which game it was but when he came in last year 
towards the end of the season and he got picked on and to go from that age a green to where we saw him at the end of 21 i, I think we've seen a ton of growth out, out of him so it, it it's it's good yeah. to see he's got one more year we'll see what what he looks like and and maybe we you know we lock him up for a little bit longer yeah, that, that first game he played, he had to cover some, like, number one receiver or something, didn't he? I can't remember who yeah, it was. I but can't yeah. remember what it was. And they yeah. kept throwing at him. And he actually, I mean, yes. he they were completing passes on him, but he really didn't look horrible. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was covering the guy. The guy was still catching the ball, though. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but you, you're absolutely right. He's 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 grown, and, and um, yeah, I think the Browns have something in him for sure. So, so let's let's look at the safety spot real quick, guys. Um, Browns have uh, three safeties on the roster. Uh, Grant Delpit, 24 years old, do uh, 1.2 million and 22, 1.6 million and 23, unrestricted free agent in 24. Um, John Johnson, 27 years old, do 4 million and 22, 8.75 million in 23. And under an unrestricted free agent in 24, the Browns have a potential out after 23 um, with John Johnson. Um, the other guy is Richard LeCount, uh, 24 years old um, and uh, on a nice rookie contract, uh, 825 and 22, 940 and 23 and a free agent in 2025, um, assuming he decides to go to meetings in 2022 <laughs> um yeah we'll see what happens with richard LeCount. so um so yeah i mean uh grant delpit and john johnson are, are going to be around at least you know a couple more years uh each you know uh grant delpit uh i mean i could let you guys talk but i mean he developed he he you talk about guys growing he's a guy who showed a lot of growth last year um you know, so I, I think people should probably feel pretty comfortable with Grant Delpit. Um, mm-hmm. I'll let you guys talk about John Johnson and, and Richard LeCount and, and how you guys feel about the safety room. So um, not sure whose turn it is to go first. So, Mike, why don't you lead this one off? Sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Delpit played really well. And, and with each game, he got better in the early going. It seemed like it might have been a little bit of a struggle, but as the as the season wore on, he I mean he he played really well. And what I really like about his game, and and I hope we see more of it, is I mean he is fast off the edge when they when they send him on a blitz. And I I'd love to see more of that um, in the in the I think maybe about six times I think they might have sent him off the edge last year, and I don't think he got there every time, but. Yeah. But he was, yeah, he was pretty successful, yeah. and and I thought JJ the third, I, I thought he was another guy that, you know, it for a little while during the season you were like, is this is not the guy that we thought that that we were going to get, and I, I think he played better as as the season wore on, and you know you have the stupid COVID games where where these guys are out and and it and it ruins the the momentum of. of of their play and you know he was a victim of that but 
I, I thought he played well. I thought Delpit played well. I would have loved to have seen more LeCount as well as as you guys, I'm sure, because I know it was the preseason, but he still he flashed a little bit, I thought. And and I was excited yeah. to see what we had in him. And, you know, you alluded to it late the meetings and whatever else that he that he might have did. Um, you know, not getting not getting the playing time. But I I, I think we're okay with with John Johnson and Grant Delpit, I, I think they'll be a good combination. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see to see what they can do this year, and and hopefully, you know, we'll we'll see Richard LeCount. But I, I think we did see the end of, of Rodney Harrison. I know he's an unrestricted free agent. I, I don't think that that they're interested in bringing him back. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, if, if they pick up another safety mid to late in the draft, uh, or or maybe in free agency, but. Yeah. Yeah, you you would think they'd be interested in another safety with uh, wanting to have three on the field, but uh, you know we'll see what happens. So so Jeff, what are your thoughts on the on the safety room? Yeah, there's a, a few guys high in the draft that are true free safeties, and I think that's really what this roster has been missing for the last few seasons is a guy who can really play that position full-time um, and really give Joe Woods the flexibility to move his safeties around the way, the way he wants to. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm all in on, on either drafting that guy or finding that guy in free agency to fill out that room. And, and, you know, otherwise I think we're in good shape. Yeah. So uh, appreciate you guys going the extra mile tonight. We, I think we covered everything. I think we've covered everything in two shows, which is, which is, which is, uh, you know, pretty good, I think. So, well, we really anyways, need to talk about kickers because we don't have any. We're not talking about kickers. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you, know, you know what I just saw? Kickers I just and punters, saw and I thought, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, I, I I flipped over the the uh, the team defensive report for the Browns for the PFF scores, and, and it's ironic because obviously Miles Garrett was, but, was number one, but two and three were A.J. Green and M.J. Stewart. And it's not no AJ Green had yeah I mean he had 176 snaps so it wasn't like he was you know in the the five to eight hundred range but MJ Stewart played 328 so that's uh, I just thought that was funny when I when I I filtered that out and I was like man I got to tell these guys AJ Green MJ Stewart <laughs> you can never have too many de- defensive backs and you can never have too many quality defensive backs yeah right. I mean M- MJ Stewart not only played well but. But he can he can put a nice hit on a guy, which everybody yeah. everybody oh, yeah. enjoys that. <laughs> so so yeah, that, that yep. that's uh, that's excellent. So um, all right, guys, appreciate you hanging in there with me. Um, we're gonna close shop up. So uh, so Mike, um, any closing words for uh, for the listeners? Just uh, to you guys, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Uh, anytime, you know. Let me know, and I'll I'll jump right back on, and and uh, it's it's going to be an interesting off season. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm excited to see who we resign, who we might pick up in free agency, and and of course, you know, I'm excited for the for the draft, and 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 I can't wait to get to that point because we're we're in the silly season now, and it's just I I can't. I can't do any more Baker Bros and Baker Wars and and guys <laughs> if, and girls. If if you're out there, just it's it it's I, I know it's it everybody feels one way or the other way and I mean I have my thoughts on it but at the end of the day 
you know, that's way, way above our pay grade. So it's just yeah. enjoy it and, and see what, see what we, we have to look forward to in, uh, you know, in the fall. That's right. That's Mike Rostano. Follow him at Bonzo1273 and check him out on the Wednesday show on YouTube. That's at Brownie Postgame. Jeff, closing thoughts? Just to put a wrap on the roster here, um, you know, coming into this past season, we had a lot of turnover on the defense. Um, the offense seemed like it was the strength of the club based on 2020 results. Um, and the defense, there were tons of question marks. Uh, after the season, we now look back and say that the defense was actually the strength of the team in 2021. The offense mm-hmm. was very questionable. Um, for what it's worth, we are returning the way it looks today, every starter on offense next year or in the fall. And we are only returning five starters on defense in the fall, the way it looks today. Um, so that's a little concerning right now. Uh, we've got a lot of holes to plug on the defensive side. Uh, but you know what? Andy Bray figured out a way to do it last year and they played at a very high level. So Let's let's see what happens this off season and what kind of pieces get plugged in. It's going to be exciting to watch. That's a great point. Yeah, I have complete faith in Andrew Barry. This has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time. <laughs>